All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball, the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. As always, I'm your host, and I'm here with my friend Sam. Sam, how are you doing? Doing good, Andy. You know, it's it's. Hope everybody had a nice New Year. This is exciting having the first Peyton Years of 2022. Um, it's been we we've got a lot to talk about. It's been a busy start to the year, and obviously we'll get into it. I'm I'm stoked though that we have a win to talk about amongst all the other BS, which you know we'll get to. Yeah, there's a lot to discuss on the potentials for the season. What's the what's going to happen? What has happened? What has befallen you, a true fan who wanted to go to a Monday three o'clock game in person? We're going to break it all down. But first, as always. The Oregon State fight song. We need it right now. I uh, take a moment to wipe the tears from your eyes, Peyton Heads. I know they're coming. It's like putting a blanket on after a really horrible day, you know, it's just, it doesn't make everything all better, but it's close. I just got a beautiful mental image of you just sitting in your living room with a blanket on, just staring at the wall. Right, with, with like the, the old Benny logo on it, you know, it's, it's tattered and torn, it's been through some games maybe. That's very true. All right, so let's jump into it. Do you want to talk about the Utah win? Because right now, Oregon State, we should point out, Cause for celebration. They're on a two-game win streak. And we won. Uh, they won their first Pac-12 game over Utah. Do you want to talk about that? Or do you want to talk about uh, the postponements and kind of what's been going on COVID-wise? How do you want to play this? Let's relive the Utah game first, the fun part of this. Let's relive the Utah game first, exactly. Oregon State took on uh, Utah last Thursday. And Utah, like we talked about on the podcast, is having a pretty solid start to the year. They're 8-2. and two. They've got a new coach in Craig Smith who comes from uh, North Dakota State. And then was it Utah State before this? Yeah. Yeah, so he's had success at smaller schools, uh, getting them to the NCAA tournament. And they've been off to a pretty good start. It's a pretty new team. It's very big. But they were no match for Oregon State, losing 76-88 to at Gill. Sam, what stood out to you from the game? Uh, you know, clearly the time off served guys like Silva, who are playing a little bit hurt well. Silva was a beast. A lot of guys were great. It was a lot of guys' best game of the season. Roman Silva, for, cert, for sure. Dexter Acano was back in the starting lineup because Xavier and Ahmad Rand were out. They only had nine available guys. Win of the season, you know, they torched Utah for a lot of it. Yeah, Oregon State, we should mention, they only had nine players available for the Utah game. So you didn't see Xavier Malone-Key, who had been in the starting lineup. And we've been pretty excited about his contributions and what he kind of gave to the offense and certainly to the defensive end. He was making his presence felt. But, yeah, Dexter Connor stepped in. He played really well. Um, and Silva had 12 points, six rebounds. You saw him get kind of some classic Silva buckets where he positions himself really well. He does a really good job with angles on his post-ups where once he catches it, he's right at the rim and he's sealed his man off already. And he had a couple of classic buckets like that where he catches it one step layup. It seems like it's happening underwater. It's going so slow. And you can tell the defense knows it's coming, but there's nothing they can do. Yeah, much the way Tennessee was was powerless against it because they were missing that big John Fulkerson dude when Carlson right. wasn't in Silva just eight. They had no answer for him. It was a beautiful thing to see. We've been waiting for it. It was so nice. 
Yeah, that was great. So we had uh, 12.6 rebounds in 26 minutes. Did a really nice job. Um, obviously, I think if you're talking about Oregon State offense, you got to talk about Jared Lucas, who is just feeling it right now. He led the team in scoring again with 25 points, six rebounds, three assists. So he actually led the team in points and rebounds. He wow, he led them in rebounds too. <laughs> well, well, he tied with he tied with um, Silva for six they both had six for to lead the team i'm all for it the game before xavier malone key led the team in rebounds if that's the theme it's going to be you know that's that's the thing that's in common with these wins is a guard leading in rebound let's go and i think that is going to be just important for oregon state to have the guards mix it up and get rebounds because like we've talked about especially um with uh Andela breaking his foot and being out for the season this is just not as big of a team as Oregon State has traditionally had in the last couple of years they don't have the kind of waves of centers to put in there to get rebounds so the guards are gonna have to make an impact on the boards they've been doing that the last couple of games and then they were down to mod ran too so they're yeah they're gonna have to find success with small lineups and it's not like Jared wouldn't be the guy you would guess to be the one to step up and get six seven rebounds but we'll take it yeah, the big. I think we're really settling in, or the team is really settling in on the big three that we talked about last <clears throat> last podcast. But great games from the three keystone pieces: Jared Lucas, twenty five points, six rebounds, three assists; uh, Worth Altiche, sixteen points, five rebounds, two assists; and then Deshaun Davis with thirteen points, eight assists, and five rebounds. I think we're getting. I think we will see a Deshaun Davis triple double before the end of the season, especially we're now getting- that the offense is figuring itself out and Lucas is becoming a bucket getter like he used to be we're getting there the the deshaun davis triple double watch will not go the way of the dastrip dunk watch we're gonna get one and it's gonna be a glorious day we're gonna have to have a celebration somewhere for it what do you think peyton dastrip is doing that has to be our next bygone beaver i i am so curious i am i am betting something involving the game of basketball if it's not low-level professional he is coaching (laughs) <laughs> that was great. Um, I just really I want to go back to Jared Lucas because he's shooting so well right now, and it's not all just catch and shoot threes. You're really seeing his game expand, um, and you're seeing a lot of stuff that I think we saw in the YouTube videos over the summer uh, from the Drew League, where he's taking those one dribble kind of pull ups, and just he's such a good off the dribble shooter right now. I don't think there's any way people can defend him. Do you think he's in the running for a first-team All-Pac-12? Because right now, I think he's on four-plus games of 20 or more points. He's going to be creeping closer and closer, I think, to leading the conference and scoring by the end of the season if he keeps on a tear like this. It'll be a crime if he's not first-team. He's playing with with the joy and swag that, that the dude that played for the Compton Magic had when he was out there, that when he was in high school and he was, like, the tallest guy on the court in some of his games, just pulling up from midcourt. If he can do that in the Drew League, he should be doing that against Utah. And it's, it's, but yeah, Lucas for president right now. Lucas for president. I mean, you're seeing why he's Southern California's all time leading scorer, which is an incredibly impressive stat. But you're just seeing it right now. I mean, not to harp on the shooting too much, but he was seven of 13 in the game, two for five on three. So he got 25 points on 13 shots. He was nine for 11 from the line. And when he's hitting that, like, obviously outside of him, there's not a lot of three-point shots going down right now. In this game, thankfully, there there were a few. And it makes such a huge difference. But when he's hitting five or six, you know, 
it really softens the blow a little bit. You almost don't necessarily need anybody else to be hitting them. Yeah, and I think Oregon State is really settling into we're just not going to be a three-point shooting team this year as much as they think they have been in the past because they're just not even looking to take them right now. Like against Utah, they shot the three really well. They went six for 12, so they went 50% from three. But again, you're only taking 12 threes in the whole game. You compare that to Utah, who took 27. They went 12 for 27. Yeah, and that's actually a pretty good percentage, especially early. It seemed like they, both teams were on fire for a lot of that game, that every time Lucas would hit one, I think Dickerson, right, was the guy that had the big game for them. Jenkins. Jenkins. Jenkins, that's right. Yeah, him or Carlson or somebody would hit one right back for them. Yeah, I was impressed. Carlson looked good. For someone who – I looked at the stats the other night, and he only had nine points, but it felt like he had so much more. I felt like he was much more impactful than that nine. I liked his game. It seemed like every basket he had followed a beaver basket, so maybe it just felt like he had a bigger game than that. Yeah, that's true. Um, anything else you want to talk about from the Oregon State-Utah game? We should mention, I guess we did mention Warreath. Having him score around the basket is huge. It's just so great to see this dominant run we've had over Utah continue that's going on a couple calendar years at this point now. It hasn't mattered if it's Timmy Allen or Larry Kristowiak or now Craig Smith and, and this new group they have out there. It's a beautiful thing. You know, Ken Palm hates to see it, but we love to see it here. It, it is nice to know that there are certain schools that Oregon State just has their number, you know, and that's a that's something that you couldn't always say of previous coaches, but I think the Tinkle tenure is giving us a couple of schools that he just owns. And for, for whatever reason, he has it out in his heart for Utah. You wouldn't have thought that Utah would be, even dating back to, to the five-win season, the year after they made the tournament, that was the, the conference win they got. It was a beautiful image. I think Stevie Thompson hit the shot and the – the sideline sisters are right behind them throwing the three fingers up, you know, <laughs> iconic moment, you know, early in the tenure, but yeah, it's a growing list of teams that Tinkle has, has figured out and it get, leaves you hope that he'll get to the Arizonas and UCLA's. Yeah, definitely. Um, anything else from the game you want to, you want to talk about? Oh, we should mention that uh, Glenn Taylor Jr. Just got named PAC 12 freshman of the week. Yeah, he was great, and he was, I think, was it just him and Akano were the other two guys that hit threes? Um, Akano, uh, Kalu had a three, and Taylor had a three. So okay. Three other guys. It's just like such an added bonus when, when you can get even just a handful more when Lucas is going like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Glenn Taylor Jr., he's making an impact without necessarily scoring a ton, but he just feels really confident when he gets on the floor. He's making uh, defensive plays. He just brings – he's kind of bringing that Gianni Hunt energy bench role that the Beavers have had the last couple of years that was maybe missing so far. Just kind of a spark plug off the bench who changes the tenor of the game. Yeah, he's, he's a pace changer, a microwave guy. We love Glenn Taylor's game. It's going to become – Unfortunately or unfortunately, depending on your opinion about it, but much more rare for freshmen to be playing, uh, you know, power five basketball at all. And and so it's cool to see that we have one and it's exciting oh, because you can imagine that two, three years from now, he's going to be really, really good. Yeah, definitely. I think he's going to be a good player for the program coming on. It's good to see him see early success. All right. Anything else from the game or do you want to move into uh, the postponements? Just really quickly, you know, as as bad as the offense has been, it's definitely worth pointing out. This is the second game in a row. They've shot over 
Lucas is obviously the main reason, but he's not the only one. And so it's exciting. It's if nothing else where they stand, it seems like they have themselves figured out quite a bit more, which makes what happened Monday all the more shitty. Yeah. Yeah, progress is never linear, and it does feel like the team has taken a jump recently in these last two games and really sorted a lot of things out, built an identity, which is huge going into Pac-12 play. But then we run into the COVID wall, Colorado's game postponed. They were able to play the Utah game. And then, like, what did they what did they call a game for um, Sac State on Monday? It had to be like an hour before tip-off that they postponed it. Well, it on Monday, they postponed the game. It was like 42 minutes or something like that was the best I could ascertain. That's crazy. And you drove down to the game to see it, did you not? Can you tell the listeners, what was that like, Sam? Well, so I'll, I'll divulge. I mean, this as I, I'm not embarrassed to say I started Monday morning very early in Seattle, Washington, um, Spending time with with the lady friend, I I said you know I'd love to stay, but I got I have a place to be. If it were on TV, I probably wouldn't have done it. But it it really did warm my heart that Marla, who we love, shout outs to Marla. Thank you for listening as always. And a couple other people tagged me when it was announced there wouldn't be television coverage and said we need you guys to go. Yeah. I was hoping you'd be able to join me. You had work obligations. It happens. So I just felt like an immense sense of responsibility to get there. And so I made the three hour drive home, had about an hour, you know, before I had to be on the road again to kind of change my mind, got on the road, did regret it for a time. It was a very rainy, very dangerous drive that I made by myself. But by the time I was pulling up, I, I found a place to park, I was there with about 20 minutes till tip, I thought. I was in a, a really solid mood. I was really proud of myself. And and I was in the mood for a gill dog, <laughs> which I don't think shocks anybody after all that driving to do in one day. So you can imagine I was, you know, very disappointed personally <laughs> to learn that news, as everybody was. I'm not trying to make this about me, but yes, it was it on a personal note, quite the day. What was the scene? Were there other people showing up to Gil when you were getting there and getting turned away from the door? Or were you just kind of there by yourself? And you you get my text. You, you told me you got my text about a minute before you saw the door, walking if up that, the steps. I was walking up the steps with, you know, photo slash media pass in hand, all excited. You could tell there have been this for a number of reasons. It's been winter break. It's a difficult time. The crowds lately at Gill have been light, and this one was going to be as light as any I'd been to a part of since like the those CBI games you would go to back in back in our younger days. And so, like, and you you could tell nobody knew as they were walking up, even as I was walking away, head down, you know, just returning to my car. Of course, it's pouring down rain as all this is happening. And do you still have a busted window? <laughs> Not to put your personal information out there too much, but yeah, do do yeah I do. I've got it reinforced a little better. So, you know, it was at least a comfortable drive, but you were the most passionate paper fan in the entire world. <laughs> yeah, I get to claim that after Monday, probably, huh? Yeah, you do. It's a it's a badge of honor. Um 
Yeah, I was surprised. The Sac State game, There, I read a little quote from Wayne Tinkle that says he talked with the Sac State coach. He In the quote, he said, both coaches agreed that it was important for their teams to play, so they're going to try and reschedule at some point down the line. Maybe uh, – was this the third time they were going to play? This is the third time it's been postponed. This, Yeah, the third time was not the charm in this case. And, well, I mean – I appreciate that they're working hard to continue to find a way to play this game. What I would say is that maybe they could each try to replace the opponent, right? Like that's what a lot of teams are doing when they're getting these games canceled is that it opens up a date on your schedule and you just match it with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see what they're going to do. It's Oregon state doesn't have players right now, really with their COVID problems. Like there was a quote from Wayne Tinkle about the game that said, I think they were warming up with seven players and they got the results and they would have been down to three or four. So not even enough to field a team. Oh, okay. So that was a question I had that I, I saw the same tweet from one of the beat reporters that that was there at before I was in warmups. And so I, I wondered if they're what the minimum number of guys you need to field a team for a game is. I would assume, is it six probably? Maybe it's I just, no, maybe yeah, I have no idea. It might, might just be five, but I don't think they could get that even. So, right. Okay. So I didn't realize that. And, and so I, that the other question I had is like, how, how often or like soon before games are they testing? Is that a normal thing? It has I have no idea. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, it just when you drive five hours to do that, <laughs> it, it, like you want answers. You exactly. I mean, they're not going to help. And and I'm glad that we we in a way didn't have time to record this yesterday because I think I would have let my feelings get in the way a little bit more. But because, you know, it's nobody's fault except the NCAAs. I Listen to the latest Three Man Weave podcast. I echo what those guys were saying about. The, I think they put it a lot more eloquently than I'd be able to. What did can you summarize for the audience? Essentially, that first of all, games don't need to be getting forfeited just because a team has too many positive cases, and. I don't want to sound like insensitive or an asshole or anything, but basically it sounds like to me, it's, it appears the NCAA had no recourse for something they probably should have that you're dealing with an infectious disease. There's stuff to learn about what it, it seems like they had no plan for if there started to be a bunch of, yeah, if a, there's a variant or something like that. Like, now that there's a vaccination, we can just continue like everything is back to 2019 and we'll never have to worry about it because if teams can't, like if teams have guys with COVID, that's because they didn't get vaccinated. It must be. And that's right. clearly not the case now. And we're seeing a lot of cancellations right before games because of it. This isn't the first time this has happened. Other games have been canceled less right. than an hour before tip-off. Yeah. Is that Organiz fair? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You, you're not going to catch me defending the NCAA. Right. Not after what they did to Shoal. <laughs> That's the other thing that at one point I, I convinced myself that if they hadn't screwed over Shoal in the most evil, corrupt way possible, that they would have had enough guys to field a team. Only the NCAA can ban an athlete who has a 3.6 GPA for not making 
prog academic progress. Like it doesn't right. make any sense. While Ty Ty Washington is just <laughs> eligible at Kentucky right now, and no one questions that. No one needs to. <laughs> Ty Ty's got to no. be. Gay. <laughs> well, let's let let's let Ty Ty play. Leave Ty Ty out of this. I love Ty Ty. I do too. Unfortunately, he just got hurt. I've been watching a lot of college basketball flipping around this evening, and he he didn't finish his game against LSU. Oh, that's big news. Um, Oregon State is coming back. Their next game supposedly is on Saturday at home versus the Ducks. I don't know if that game is going to happen because both teams are in their own their own personal COVID pauses. Oregon State's for Monday. U of O canceled or postponed their game for a second time versus Colorado. Um, so I don't know. Both teams could be down. We'll see if that game happens. I was thinking about today. It does seem fitting that, you know, all this uh, kind of COVID trepidation is happening right after Jared Lucas has a great game versus Utah. I'm having deja vu flashbacks. Yeah, it really does remind you of, uh, oh, we were so hopeful. We, we really didn't know what was coming that, that evening. We recorded that episode at the shout outs to the space room lounge. Yeah. Shout out to the, shout out to the space room lounge. Whose bartender told us at that open mic that they, they're not going to close down that they will, they definitely will not close down. They, I, there was something about like, it'll be us and cockroaches here before we close. And, uh, you know, they didn't see that government mandate coming either. I don't know that they had Googled that yet. <laughs> yeah, we shall see. Do you want to do a little preview of the U of O game on the off chance that it's played? No, so, yeah, exactly. So, like, logically, one would ascertain it's probably pretty unlikely they're going to play it, but that assumes that there is a logic and consistency to anything the NCAA is doing about this season. And so I'm... I'd say it's there's a decent chance it gets played. I mean, obviously, the good thing is if everybody's got COVID now by the end of the week, especially if they're vaccinated and they're not feeling that sick, that the Beavers should have most of their guys back. I'm kind of hoping, you know, if both teams are depleted, let's see Dyshawn Hobson guards Gabe Reichel full court for, <laughs> you know, we've had walk-on step in in big civil war or, excuse me, rivalry games in the past. Underway, cool. yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, we we would love that matchup. That would that would go down as one of the all time great Oregon State U of O games. If Hobson and Reichel have to go at it, yeah that that would be the ultimate in a in a weird way the ultimate Portland Pro Am League matchup. For the <laughs> real heads, those that know the deep cuts on the Portland Pro Am rosters. Me and you uh, last year, I think we're able to tap into the the zeitgeist of Oregon State basketball, kind of um, what's going on on the team at a higher frequency, kind of universe speaking wise. And I want to put it out there that I think if this is going to be a good season, if things are really turning around like the way they feel, the next step is for Oregon State to play U of O, but just like a decimated U of O roster like they were last year when they were the first team ranked team that Oregon State had beaten in like three or four years. Um, I'm hoping for that. I'm hoping a full Oregon State team versus just a decimated U of O team. I'm hoping Reichel does get a play for U of O like he did last year where he was just systemically picked on every single time he touched the ball. Yeah, I want Deshaun treating Gabe Reichel like 
he's going against an NBA guy in a pickup game and he's really <laughs> got to try and embarrass him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the thing about that that would be perfect is that Sacramento State's an okay team. They're gritty, you know, but they're not as good as Nichols was. Certainly they're not as good as Utah. It's so it's a team you know, lacking some athleticism and size that other groups the Beavers have played. And so hopefully Oregon with guys like Infali Dante and Will Richardson and whoever else out, they can give that look of sort of an undersized, more gritty, not as talented. Maybe they've even got one or two guys playing minutes that you're like, they could never play in the Pac-12 out there. And they can get that kind of game in before they get to the rest of conference play. Yeah, it would be nice if we played a big stop, a big sky style U of O team. Right, like Biddle is we. It, I love how we're picking and choosing who's going to be out. But like yeah, Biddle's Biddle, it's a Biddle Reichel pick and roll versus Oregon State. Is right, what I'm hoping for blitz the hell with Warreath and and Rand is back now. Even though that probably doesn't Rand, make sense. No, Rand is back. <laughs> yeah, he's dunking on Biddle. I can't see another way out of it. Oh um, man, that's going to be violent. <laughs> it is a big game standing wise. And I noticed this in the Pac-12 standings right now. So Oregon State is at one and two in the Pac-12. We're tied with our two biggest rivals, U of O and Arizona State at one and two. So this is big. We go if we can get a win right here. Yeah, Arizona State's got the LA schools coming up. We're dealing with COVID. I don't know if it's pauses, if that's the word, but all their games are getting postponed right now. So one would think that that means that we're going to have a stretch where it's maybe a little bit more in the clear for some of these teams, and maybe that coincides with the other half of the conference all getting it. Who knows? Who knows? The only other shocker, just looking at the Pac-12 standings, is that Cal is fourth right now. I mean, granted, it's two and one, but that's still insane. No one thought, saw that coming. Yeah, all of a sudden, it it takes a quick blowout of a good Southland team, team picked to win their league, and then a convincing win over a fun Utah team. And all of a sudden, that preseason fourth-place prediction doesn't seem so insane anymore, does it? No, it feels it feels dead on after we blow out Nickel State and, and beat a, a quote-unquote fun Utah team. <laughs> well, yeah, who would dis, dis, dispute anything I just said? I'll point a stat out to you. Nichols lost to Purdue, third in the country, really, really good team, by 14 points. They lost to the Beavers by almost twice that. So, hold on to that, Baitonheads. Hold on to that and bring that up at any bar conversation where someone starts ragging on Oregon State season. Um, we should also give a shout out to Wayne Tinkle for moving into uh, third place all time for Beaver wins with the win over Utah. A tip of the cap, you know. Hopefully, he got to celebrate that a little bit. That because that you know. We've been waiting on that, like something we had wished happened earlier in the season, but he does deserve a lot of credit for that. Also, shout out to Bob Hager, who killed it in his time as Beaver head coach. Yeah, that was truly impressive. Do you think, is Wayne over 500 for his career? He's not. He's not. He's he can't not. do right now. No. Yeah, I, I away. We're back on the Tinkle 500 watts. That's another thing the season gave us. We'll we'll be we'll we'll get there again. I'm confident we'll we'll chip away and get back to it. But I we were watching the Utah game and I, I laughed a lot at the image of like, you know, one of those old dudes who clearly goes to every game who's got like the high suspenders and the quarter zip, you know, hoodie. 
look and and he's like a big bob hager backer like <laughs> hager would won you know like even when craig robinson was there he's like hager never would have had this many turnovers a game with this talent <laughs> it's just a funny thing to picture someone being like a huge bob hager truth or like really holding on to that <laughs> it is funny um and Oregon State actually did do a great job with turnovers this week. We didn't mention that against Utah, but I want to point it out that I think they had uh, half as many turnovers as Utah, won the turnover battle by a lot, which was key, something they weren't doing earlier in the season, just to bring it all home. In much the same way, like the shooting turning around is starts with Lucas. That starts with Deshaun Davis having the ball in his hands a lot more than he did exactly. at the start of the year. Exactly. All right, so um, – Look forward to that U of O game on Saturday. Fingers crossed it happens. Fingers crossed you see a Reichel in the starting lineup if it does happen. Any shout-outs on our way out, Sam? Well, we should get together and watch it. I'm excited to get to do that. I would say we should go. I'm going to I'm gonna wait till they play a game again before I drive down. Yeah, I we got to They've got to earn some trust back before we make the trek down. I'm excited to see. Hopefully we get Eldridge on the call. Whoever it'll be, he'll do a great job. But, um, yeah. All right, perfect. All right, well, shout out to all the medical researchers, the scientists, the doctors who are fighting this pandemic and whatever variant keeps popping up wherever in the world so we can get back to the thing we love the most, Oregon State basketball especially taking on a big sky opponent like Sac State. We need that in our life. So shout out to anyone doing their thing to, to stop this virus. I think it's a matter of print. We'll, we'll know that we've turned the corner on this a little bit at this point when we play this damn non-conference game. You know, Yeah, a, when, it, when the Sac State game happens is when we're turning the corner on the variant. That's I a don't care if it has to happen between – the Washington game to end the season in the Pac-12 tournament when it could really only be a, you know, non-beneficial thing. We're playing this game, goddammit, and you and I will be there, hopefully. Yeah, we're going to it. No, that's a promise. We will be there. We will find a way. You, you'll you skip work next time. You tried. I should point out. Don't don't. I was dangerous. Yeah, I was very happy I, I went back on the decision because I was dangerously close to taking a half day to go go with you. But I, good call I could have pulled up to your school with a busted-in window. You could have rushed out early. It would have looked really, really unprofessional. But, yeah, I've got a beaver, do that. I've got a beaver scarf in my classroom, so I'm ready at the drop of a hat. Right. Like one right, last well, ice. Sorry. One last <laughs> ice, that's right. All right. Well, shout out to you, Beaverhead. Stay safe out there. And as always, you know what? Fuck the ducks. Fuck the ducks. Go bees forever. See y'all very soon.